Hi, this is Jonathan, and I play the human wizard, Jonathan the Magimuscular. Hi, I'm Jack. I play Trevancore, a half-elf Beastmaster Ranger. Hi, this is John. I play your half-orc barbarian, Carlton Tanks. Hi, this is Julia. I play the rock gnome cleric, Bernice Q. Burns. And I am Lauren, your humble DM, and welcome to Dungeon Drunks. Distinguished adventurers, last time on Dungeon Drunks, it is the morning after a brutal pit fight at the Fist and Shear, where Carlton and Jonathan participated in a doubles match and managed to win despite the ferocity of their adversaries. Now, it's the next morning, and after recovering from their fun, the heralds must face the task at hand, travel to the training grounds, and prepare to lure a Yugoloth into a battle. And that is where we begin tonight. Welcome to Dungeon Drunks. I'm your DM, Lauren. You might know me as Oboe. I am just drinking tea because it's been a hard week and sometimes you just need some warm tea. So I just have some of the, the Zomba Pearls that I really like from Friday afternoon and it is lovely and is delicious. And we're going to have a, a special edition of Hey, What Are You Drinking? Hey, What Are You Leveling? Because as as our players are... Uh, quickly getting ready with their characters. Their characters have leveled up to level 14, I believe. Mm-hmm. That is correct. Correct. Yeah. So, they're not just talk about what they're drinking, but what they're leveling. Jonathan, what are you drinking and what's your level? Hey, this is Jonathan, and I am playing Jonathan the Muscular. And tonight, I am drinking, uh, this is kind of a blast from the past because it's been a while since I've had this, an Ace Joker Hard Cider. It is definitely the lesser of Ace's offerings, but it is also the one with the least sugar, which for mm. me is pretty paramount. It's it's all right. Well, live tasting. Yep, just as mediocre as I remember. And <laughs> to not shout a fireball to be consumed but, uh, at the first casting of fireball or the equivalent spell thereof is dedicated once again to a group of people. Now, we are in weird times, and of course, all of our essential workers who are out there getting very, very underpaid, and all of the doctors and healthcare workers out there doing their jobs every day. We appreciate all those people. And some people from who are neither of or none of those have stepped up to help out their fellow man by, and women and non-binaries by making masks. They are, are artisans and people who normally craft things and have dedicated their crafting efforts to making masks for other people. And we're going to highlight two such uh, creators. The first one is a friend of the show, Chris, a.k.a. Kaiju Cut and Sew. And you can find him wherever you find Kaiju Cut and Sew. I believe he has an Etsy page and an Instagram page. And speaking of Instagram, our very own John, a.k.a. Carlton Tanks, also makes masks under the JK underscore masks on Instagram, uh, along with his uh, lovely partner, Katie. And they they make masks. Go check them out. Go check out Chris. And, and, and not just these guys, but anybody who makes masks, please pay them money. Get them to make you a mask and give them a generous uh, compensation for that because they deserve it. Absolutely. And we'll move right on. Oh, no, actually, I, we need to find oh, out yes, about yes. Jonathan and his level up. Uh, uh, so Jonathan the Magic Muscular is now level 14, and he has added two spells to his repertoire. Uh, one of them is an old favorite, uh, Plane Shift, which he will now be able to cast once he gets some money, because he, he needs those planar keys now. Also, good thing we just won the match. 
Just good thing. Yeah. <laughs> this was the time to get some cash. Uh, the other spell is Crown of Stars, which we'll see what that does uh, oh, soon. Oh, I like how that sounds. It could be awful. It could be terrible, but it also sounds pretty. No, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> it, it could be awful or terrible or awful. awesome. It just depends on uh, yeah. what end of the Crown of Stars you're on. That's what I mean. Not like, oh, it's a sucky spell, but like, oh, oh, it's more like a Crown of Pain. <laughs> <laughs> Only only for those who are attacking Jonathan. But moving on to one of the people who's making those awesome, awesome masks. Carlton, what are you drinking? And what's your level? Uh, so I'm drinking uh, Sip Sparkling Summer Pear. It's pear, green tea, and honey. Bought to me by that uh, lovely partner, Katie, who's actually at the sewing machine right now while I'm recording. So, you know, only burned myself a few times with some steam. Uh, and then <laughs> uh, I am also level 14 now, and I have added uh, some spells to my repertoire. So we'll just leave it at that. Spells? <laughs> spells. Wow, we're all spellcasters no. now. I'm so <laughs> The Bernie side of me is so disappointed in you. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll be casting it immediately as soon as we wake up. You'll see. Oh, no. <laughs> all right. And Bernie, what are you drinking? And what are you leveling? Okay. Bernie's level 14 now, obviously. There's not a lot that happens for a cleric at level 14, but some pretty important stuff. A... I've finally broken 100 hit points. Yay! And B, uh, one of the things that happens is my Destroy Undead has reached a challenge rating of 3 now, which doesn't seem very high, but it still can destroy more undead. So anytime I use Turn Undead, anything I think at a 3 or lower that fails that wisdom save is just poof into dust. And I'm preparing my disappointed face. For? For Carlton. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, however, tonight, and I have, I really- I was about to say, what, because the undead are going to save? No, come on. If they're under a three, they're probably not going to reach your DC. Come on. There's also, like, this whole, I, as a as a player, this whole side of, like, destroy undead has made me want to play a necromancer. So I can <laughs> live both. Uh, but my drink tonight, which I'm accidentally matching in my Canada sweatshirt- <laughs> Nice. It's from Great Lakes Brewery, and it's called Canuck Pale Ale. It's uh, If you guys go to our Insta stories in the beer section, you'll find it. Uh, but Or if you saw it a while ago, you figure out how far in advance we record this. I love it. I seriously, I have no clue if it's going to be any good. I bought it because it has a lumberjack on it, the most Canadian of things. He's like on the log in the water. And I'm like thinking of that like Canadian, all the Canadian folk songs that are like, like there's one called the Log Driver's Waltz. Look it up. <laughs> but I've never had it before. So we're going to give it a taste and then we're going to pour it into our favorite mug. You know what? I like it. It's like, it's not an IPA. So it's not like hoppy. Nobody's trying to get around the Horn of Africa with this beer, which I really like. Um, but it actually it's hoppy on a place that I like it like I know I've talked about not really liking hops but it's a general like it's a good beer it's got a good smell not quite as like good as some of the beers I've been like smell really good recently but I would I would say if you if you like pale ales you should definitely give this a shot because I'm a person who doesn't like hops and I like this Hmm. which is good because we've had those episodes before it's like what's everybody drinking oh hoppy things what what does everybody hate hoppy things (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think they're beautiful as a plant. I think it's like, it's cool. I love how they grow. It's awesome as 
part of the science of beer making. It's part of the taste. Yeah. Uh, but this, I like this. Well, that's good. All right. And last but certainly not least, Travancore. What are you drinking and which a level? Good people of Faerun. Travancore's level this evening is 14. That's 2 for his druid and 12 for his ranger. And with 12 comes an ability score increased or a feat. I chose the ability score increase. So, uh, Abraham Maslow is not a person in Faerun or Perkanon or any place in, uh, in D&D. But if he were... Perhaps his, uh, his hierarchy of needs would be consulted by Travancore when deciding what to put his efforts into. Perhaps in peacetime, or when he has more interest, he would have taken levels in Druid. But as this is wartime, and as survival is one of those most basic needs in safety, he took a level in Ranger, realizing it would make him more proficient. And so Travancore took the ability store increase and threw it all into decks, so that <laughs> Travancore's base score in dexterity is now a 20. Welcome nice. to the club, bud! Yeah! Yay! So Travancore's like, he's just like hopping from toe to toe. He's got pirouetting through the forest. He's he's a Dexy boy. He is the Sean Dexy Michaels of D&D. Oh. I love Meanwhile, it. Meanwhile, there's a tree in Carlton's way and he just walks through it. <laughs> Listen, different strokes for different folks. And and welcome to the level, the, the 20 ability score club, Travancore. Yay! My only one is in wisdom. My new uh, HP total is 1 odd 7, and Shadows is 79. And I, I, I'm i sorry, completely missed it. Did you talk about what you were drinking? I did not. <laughs> good good okay. catch. Travancore's drink this evening is Blake Hard Cider's Triple Jam, a new entry into the Cider War. It has strawberry, blackberry, and raspberry. It is brewed in Armada, Michigan, between Battle Creek and Armada. A lot of nautical battle names in, uh, in the state of Michigan. Let's do a live tasting. I've never heard of... Armada, Michigan. That's a pretty badass name for a town, if I may say so myself. It's sour, but it's got a little bit of sweet finish to it. Mm. So it's really good from a sweater. I don't like a sweater that's way too sweet. This strikes a good balance. And this wasn't actually a first time live tasting for me. I had it before. Didn't care for it. thought it was too sour. But now that it's had time to settle in my fridge, it's definitely being cold helps it immensely. Cold and maybe now, uh, now that you know what to expect. Sometimes, especially with really strong flavors, I need a second tasting for something just so that I know what to expect. So, oh. maybe the a bit of the both. And the really cool thing about this this can is it comes with a dry versus sweet chart that lets you know basically what to expect, which I missed the first time I I drank one of these. <laughs> nice. And and I'm Lauren, and I'm still drinking tea, and I'm. I'm level 43. <laughs> That's what level I am. I didn't get anything else except more creaky knees. But our heroes are waking up in the Temple to the Queen of Bay, the Temple of Integrity in Neverwinter, where they have stumbled home after a fairly successful, very close match at the Fist and Cheer. Everyone has recovered. However, it was a... A brutal bit of fighting for two of our four members, and so two two of you are are kind of sore. Not anything that's going to really affect you, but you're going to be feeling that for a little while. You know, monks monks they hit they hit hard, and so as as you the four of you wake up because you'd close the pocket house, so you were bunking in the actual temple to integrity. You wake up in the common bunk room with. Uh, Ellie Belly, who is also there, snoring softly as the sun comes through the window. And uh, what would you like to do with the day? Uh, so as I wake up, and we all are we sharing a room, or we have our own rooms here? 
It is one big room. It is a big, I think there's 10 beds in this room. A clean, nice, neat, but definitely a big shared room. Carlson's kind of kind of just like sit cross-legged on his bed and just kind of close his eyes there for 10 minutes. Because woken up, he had some dreams, visitings from his uh, ancestors, if you will. Uh, and he's going to uh, consult the spirits, which is my new 10th level barbarian feature, and cast Augury. All right. As a ritual. So that is the two spells I have. Uh, so as a not. Level, <laughs> as a 10th level barbarian, uh, I get Augury and Clairvoyance once a day as a ritual. So yes, I have spells, but not in the way that Julia thought. <laughs> I was prepared to be disappointed in you. <laughs> <laughs> We're not putting anything above Captain Multiclass over there. <laughs> Go ahead and talk about our augury because I don't think it's ever been done in Dungeon Drunks. What are you doing? I've and done what are you it. Yeah. Bernie's augured all the Bernie augers the shit out of things. Oh yeah, I remember a little bald guy in front of a computer came and helped us out. Oh, is this the wheel and wheel? The and wheel low or wheel and woe? Okay, that's a Bernie, joke that only one of you will get. Sorry, it's been a very long time. Tea leaves and lives. Try to, try to hoard it on my territory, act like I wasn't even here to begin with. I'm sorry. <laughs> I forgot. Uh, yeah, so it is wheel, woe, wheel and woe, or nothing. Okay. Receive an otherworldly omen about a specific course of action that we plan to take within the next 30 minutes. So I guess actually, since it's only 30 minutes, I should probably wait until we get closer to... Basically, I wanted to ask, hey, is going to fight these guys going to be a good idea? Is what we're doing actually beneficial or are we gonna die it's up to you if you want to cast it now or if you cast it later i'll probably cast so- it a little bit later because like it's gonna take us more than 30 minutes to pull our shit together or get everybody dressed and ready to go i thought it was like asking for the day so carlton's like hmm, wait a second 30 minutes nope wait huh, uh, uh, i'll be back and he's gonna leave the omens on uh on on hold <laughs> he's gonna leave the spirits on hold <laughs> okay spirits might be a little annoyed at being left on hold all day but you you, you won't know until you recast it it's my, fir- it's my fir- well i didn't actually fully cast it yet carlton sits for 10 minutes in uh, on top of his bed abruptly stops and what are the rest of you doing bernie didn't sleep downstairs bernie and uh cleo had a sleepover like old okay. times their room is directly upstairs. Uh, you're familiar with it, obviously, because you have the, the nut up there. Their bed is just large enough for them, but they've got a whole bunch of blankets and pillows and extra stuff. And, and you've got a, a kit for sleeping out in the woods and stuff. So, yeah, the between between everything, you stay up for a couple. You didn't fight, so you could stay up for a little while longer and, and still get a full night's rest. Uh, what did the two of you talk about? I feel like they caught up. Cleo, I, I, this, this is shitty of me to say, but Bernie's not a great person. So she probably told Cleo everything that happened with her family. Stuff that she wouldn't tell everybody else yet. Because, like, I think they're both people who got abandoned. So she's got no embarrassment. Like, there's no reason, there's nothing that Cleo doesn't know about Bernie's life and vice versa. Now, is this all new, or do you think when the two of you were in the same batch growing up that Cleo knew some of this already, and so you're just filling in since? Yeah. Oh, 100%. Okay. I think it's it's one of those things where it's like, you know, you have a friend, and that's the person who was there when all that stuff went down. And so it would, where you can't talk to other people, or 
you I think everybody is always the person they were you're just adding to that person and so to have someone who knew you before you are what you are now to have someone who knew all the pieces as they were getting put together I think a lot of people are far more willing even if they haven't been around that person in a really long time to share those kinds of things because if you like yourself better now you don't want to be those pieces apart again so yeah. she and she catches up on Cleo's life she wants to know like she's I think this whole entire time given how big this city is Bernie is sad and disappointed that she doesn't have more support here like why she wants to know like she wants to fill her in and gossip and talk about things that are hard to talk about but she wants to know why Cleo is alone and why the the mother temple hasn't given her more people so the two talk a little bit and eventually uh, they'll warm up a little bit and say it's not their fault it's not like they don't give me support it's I used to have a much smaller place, actually. I, I got a little bit of uh, extra fun so I could even get this place because the 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 little tiny place that we had was like a, a two room thing. It was nothing. I had no place to stay. Uh, so this was this was you know the mother said, ah, oh, we gotta get you someplace nice. You, you know, someplace you could actually have like a dormitory and everything. Yeah, but what's a dormitory if they're not gonna help you fill it with people? It's, you know, there's only so much you can do in a place like Neverwinter. It's, a lot of the people here, they're not looking for what they think is, like, our god. They're looking for, and I know she's not, but the the people here are religious. They already got their place. They already got their people. Uh, so it's it's less me looking for converts or looking for people who want to really pray to Bay. And the people who come here come here because it's, it's a house. It's a home, you know? Well, like, yeah. I do the services and everything, but people want to come because they want a, a warm place to have some tea. And that's why, one of the reasons I go and do the fighting, because, like, I go and I see... I, I'm there some of the time, you know, cheering people on. And when I'm not, you know, bashing people's heads in. And it made more sense to do outreach here than to do actual ministry, because there's nobody here who's really praying. It's people here just need a friend. And then... Well, you don't need them to pray, but if people are coming here because they need a place to stay, you need somebody who can help you cook and clean and wash clothes and... Yeah, but, you know, except for the four of you, it's Ellie Belly, and it's not like she doesn't have a place to go. She's just lonely, you know? It's it's just been her since the kids have been gone, and most of the time I think she just comes here just for the, the company. And I, li I like having her around because then I can go and do the fight and I know there's at least somebody here in case they come walking on in. It's I get all the support I need. I don't need very much here. But I kind of like it. Like, could you see me in, you know, some some place that had hundreds of people that needed ministering to? I couldn't go do the, the fighting that I do. I couldn't go hang out in the park with people. I couldn't, you know... You listen. I you mean, remember my cooking, do you remember my cooking? Why do you think I want somebody to help you do that? I didn't say you should do that. You probably shouldn't do that. I'm amazed you haven't had more accidental poisonings. Actually, now that I think about it. Well, most of the people who come by, they do the cooking. I just provide the place. <laughs> I'm very good at cleaning up after everybody else is cooking. I'm, I'm super good at pots. You see me with pots? Yes, yes. Those are muscles are not from fighting alone. I mean, I guess I understand. It's not like I minister to anybody either. I mean, I'm routinely 
disapproving of all my friends down there, and I, I do a very good job of carrying moral superiority like a fucking sword, but, like, I mean, it... <laughs> well, we all minister in our own ways, right? I did one time convince an entire town that they had trouble in a pool hall, so that was sort of... Don't use those skills as much. I think you use those skills all the time. You're just not using them at a pulpit. You're just using them like a like a bludgeon. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with, you know, it's not just the paladins that need to go walking about whacking things. Honestly, and this should probably never be repeated, but I really think there should be a little more regulation on how many paladins are out there whacking things to begin with. Well, you're going to have to talk to the other gods about that. I don't got any any say over that. It's not like we got that many that go out there anyway. Who needs who needs a, a holier-than-thou paladin when we got a holier-than-thou you, Bernie? Oh, yes. I mean, I'm admittedly I'm very good at it. And honestly, I don't have to go through all that rigmarole of deciding that I follow some kind of creed to the letter to the point where things get hairy. So, honestly, you can be holier-than-thou without all the rule following and the uncomfortable, you know, moralizing. Mm. You can you can be a paladin without that too. You haven't met some of the good ones out there. Where do you think I got one of those four uh, necklaces? The two, the four you are wearing. <sighs> I suppose. Not everything needs to be big and grandiose. It's okay. The ends are the same. The means are just a little different. Exactly. I do think they should get you a cook. Do you take? Do you just get takeout? Is that is that how you feed yourself? Because you can't. Well, the fist and cheer has some really good tater tots. You know, understand that the nutritional value of a tater tot is incredibly low. Well, yes, but that hasn't stopped me from enjoying them. Do you even have a lemon tree? Yeah, of course, out back. It's just the winter, that's all. Yeah. We put one in our pocket house. Yeah, now all of us have a magic pocket house with sun all the time and a bunch of little robot people, you know. Yeah, they're weird. And they don't let you poke them in the eye, but... Yeah, but who does? Have you seen the eye? It's so big. It just screams, poke me. <laughs> Listen, Bernie, not everything is a button that needs to be pushed. Oh, Cleo, everything is a button that needs to be pushed, please. And that's why I'm here in a house with a goblin who's the sweetest grandmother I know, uh, fighting at the fist and cheer, and you're out there poking eyes. Well, honestly, it's why you're fighting, and I was the one that always made sure you made money off of the fight. If we're gonna go there. Yeah, well, some of us grew up and learned to make money, but didn't learn to make anything but tater tots. Come on, I hear your friends downstairs are are moving I'll, about. Let's let's go see them. I'll ask literally any of them to make us some eggs, and then maybe before we go, I'll have a conversation with the cook at the fist and cheer about your diet. <laughs> you can have all the conversations you want. I'm still ordering the tater tots, okay? Yeah, and the tater tots will come. They'll be there. They'll just be under a pound and a half of vegetables and maybe some <laughs> lean protein. That's all right. I'll just wait for you to be gone. I'll, I'll get my, my, my ketchup back. It'll be fine. We made a lot of money last night, and I am not above a bribe. And Bernie's going to walk downstairs. Cleo's just going to laugh after you. Uh, so yeah, the rest of you hear the two of them coming down the stairs as you're waking up. Oh. I'm so poor. As he said, I'm like counting the gold that we made last night. And like, oh, no, no, I need more. Well, you're you're here in a temple. I don't know if this is really the place you need to be if you're looking for more gold. I mean, you can hang out in 
fight at the fist and chair if you want again. That was that was no, a pretty No, I think I think Jonathan the Myogamuscular's fighting career is done. Nah, bud, cut, bud, you're, bud, you did great. You did, you did, no, you did I exactly didn't. what I needed no, you to do. No, I didn't. I didn't do well at all. Ah, uh, well, still. you're still, you're still alive, and you won, right? It's true, and I'm gonna take that and, uh, and. So you wanna, you wanna end your career undefeated? I mean, I guess as a team we're undefeated. Jonathan the Magic Muscular's head did hit the ground. Yes, as a team we're undefeated. W is a W is a W. So one of the reasons why I am lamenting is because. Guess what, guys? Last night, I, I don't know how I wrote anything into my spell book after that beating. Because I am I am sore literally everywhere. But I learned plane shift. Whoa. Is it like one of those things where you got hit in the head so hard that it just all of a sudden made sense? No, it made sense like two days ago. I just couldn't finish the fucking thing. Right, like you finally finished the compound, like the the secret formula. Like no, Aha! no. If anything, last night may have made it a little harder to literally write down the fucking equation into my spell book. Well, you know, sometimes you just need to have the sense knocked into you. Come on, I'll I'll, I'll help you. Uh, watch you make breakfast. Apparently, I'm not allowed to do anything other than tater tots. You're not even allowed to do tater tots. You don't even do the tater tots. You don't. Well, no, because usually when I go there, I'm too busy fighting. I can't be cooking and fighting at the same time. They'd have to pay me. Remember one time you made steak and it was just burning? It just well, was burned. It just tastes like burning. Well, I like I my like fire. Travancore visibly gasps <laughs> and makes a gesture not dissimilar from the sign of the cross. <laughs> I like my steaks very, very cooked, okay? Well, that's also a lie, but you just lit it on fire. That's not a lie. I like my steak. No one likes their steaks raw unless you're sticking it on an eye that needs to be unswollen. Other than that, if you put it in your body, it needs to be cooked. Cartave. <laughs> that is the, honestly, that's the closest you've ever gotten to blasphemy and burning. <laughs> Listen, it's been a while, is okay? A, is this an opinion? Hold on. We have to pause because this is very important. Lauren? No, this is not a Lauren opinion. To... Okay. No, no okay. I like my, my burgers, okay. my steaks, everything else as rare as possible. Cleo, on the other hand. Is a, is a goddamn monster. Is a, is a, I want everything burnt to a crisp. Yes. So actually, this brings up something, uh, since we're still out of character. Lauren, question for plane shift. Sure. If we end up in another plane of existence... Like like we did with uh, Avernus or w- with the Feywild. If Jonathan the Magimuscular wants to cast Plane Shift, does he need to have the material plane key to do it? And what, thus, is plane sh- what does Plane Shift say? I think it says everyone, but I didn't know whether it just like came with the the material plane one for free. I Otherwise, don't, yeah, I don't know. Let's see what it says. I know I let you do it the once, but that was a story related thing, and it you was. made the you made the the special item vanish when it happened that basically that's how you made that happen so what does plane shift say uh do 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 it says do 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 yes you and uh up to eight willing creatures link hands in a circle and are transported to a different plane of existence you can specify target destination in general terms such as the city of brass on the elemental plane of fire or the palace of dispater on the second level of nine hells and you appear in or near that destination and uh uh, it just says under an asterisk, under material components, a forked metal rod worth at least 
250 GP attuned to that particular plane's existence. So he needs a key for every plane. Yes. Although I will say you are pretty positive getting a key to the material plane, especially with your connections back in Waterdeep, should be pretty easy. Okay. What about his connections in Neverwinter? Probably more... Yeah, I think since I am part of a professional organization in Waterdeep, I could... That's probably a better place because they're like, oh yeah, we don't want you getting stranded. So here, here's a like a material plane key or something like that. I do have the ashes of the thing that let us come back from Avernus. So just for flavor, when I if we ever have an Avernus key, I want to incorporate those ashes into it. Done. I know, I know it doesn't like like I can't like get a 50 GP discount or something. That would be nice, but just for story reasons. I don't know, maybe you can. But we'll see, I guess. You'll see. It's definitely something to keep in mind. Anyway, you wake up, you are getting ready for the day. I will let you decide who makes breakfast. Ellie is not. What would you like to do? Bernie is going to, um, she knows that Jonathan is really sore, but also he's like full health, essentially. He's just achy muscles. So Bernie's going to pretend to cast a healing spell on him. And give him some of that good, good uh, placebo effect. Or maybe just muscle relief. I mean, maybe maybe instead of healing, it like dissipates the lactic acid. Yeah, that's what she's going to, she's going to say like, oh, she's going to say, I don't really have to use this one very much, but and she's going to, she's going to um, reach her hand up and just like kind of rub along his muscles and she's going to cast light so that it looks like it's just little sparks coming out of her fingertips. Okay. Do I need to, can I do like a deception check? I mean, Jonathan the Magimuscular is going to know if you cast a spell on him or not, so. He's going to know it's a spell. You know what? Instead of a deception check, I want a performance check. What's my performance? Because because Jonathan's right. He'll know if you're casting a spell on him. The placebo effect is sometimes about just what you think is happening. And if he (gasps) thinks you're doing something nice for him, what'd you roll? That's a seven. Bernie feels bad about your aching muscles, Jonathan. Oh, well, thanks. Uh, I'll I'll just stretch it out. It'll be fine. And Jonathan the Magimuscular proceeds to, like, he doesn't stretch often because he's a weight guy, not a stretch guy. So it's it, the, his stretches look very, like, stiff. And not just because he's actually stiff, but they're very, like, somehow while he's stretching, he is also flexing. Of course. Uh, Cleo looks like she can't help herself and uh, looks over at Travancore specifically uh, after Travancore had had this reaction to the, the burnt steak comment. Oh, boy. They had been pulling stuff out of the, the cold box. They'd been pulling stuff out for basically for breakfast. Looks over at you, Travancore, and they say, can you do something with this? I'll do something with that. And she leaves the kitchen to you and brings Jonathan into the main room that's kind of where the, 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 the pulpit is and all of the chairs and the, the comfy places to sit. And I need to roll something real quick. Oh, yeah. Uh, she's going to lead you, Jonathan, through a series of stretches. Okay. And <laughs> is doing that thing in where they're guiding you and they're kind of like the perfect yoga instructor in where they demonstrate and then they come over and they manage to, like, convince you to move your body in the way that you need without ever actually touching you and just kind of 
you know, it's it's almost like force pushing. It's weird. They never touch you, but you just and and just at the point where you're at that perfect amount of stretch before it starts to hurt, they're like, okay, yeah, hold hold it there. Yeah, good, good. All right, breathe, 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 breathe in, out, in, out, in, out, in. Yep, yep. There you go. There, nice and slow. All right, now let's do the other side. Okay, okay. It's gonna take a little bit, but they're gonna help you feel better. Yeah, Travancore, you've been left in the kitchen. Oh, he's going to try to channel his memories between having to cook for himself as a ranger with uh, with things. He has some basic notions of spices and having observed him, he's going to do his best to, to make breakfast for everybody. Uh, nothing fancy. Scrambled eggs, bacon, toast, whatever they have lying around. Breakfast that's, cheese uh, steak. <laughs> breakfast Philly cheese steak. What? Yes. <laughs> yeah, you know, thing. Travancore will check to see if there are any strips of, of beef or, or steak or anything equivalent. Uh, yeah, there's, it's not, like, amazing cuts because it's the middle of winter, but, yeah. yeah. All right, remembering some delicacy from back home, Travancore is going to take a roll, slice in half, scrabble up some eggs because it is still breakfast and there is decorum, put some strips of steak in there, and then find whatever cheese is available and, you know, melt it, you know, and into a, like, a, into a, like a sauce almost, on the, on the, and then melt it, pour it on top of this sandwich on a roll. All right. I need a oh, roll. and no onions. Good to know. I approve of the no onions. What about peppers? No, you're going to get the basic cheesesteak. That's a minor miracle that I can make anything at all. Like being just a ranger who normally just finds a chipmunk and cooks that up. <laughs> hey, listen, j- just because finding the chipmunk and cooking the chipmunk are two different skills. I'm going to give you a choice. You can either do a performance or a survival check. One of the two. Well, I'm guessing my survival is higher. Let's take a look here. Survival performance is, yeah, definitely survival. Oh my goodness, it's not even close. Okay. Foraging for food in a kitchen. Let's see how you do. Here we go. Live travel. Foraging for recipes in your brain. 25. Yeah! Woo! Best breakfast cheesesteak ever! Travacore, the man of unlikely skills. He can draw, he can cook. Ladies, he's single. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, describe this. So Jonathan finishes uh, his stretching routine with Cleo. The rest of you convene in the kitchen. Ellie Belly eventually stumbles on in. Uh, you get the sense that she's not necessarily a morning person to join you for this most unlikely of cheesesteak breakfasts. Travancore, with a 25, how good is this food? Well, you have to remember that Travancore has a taste for food. He grew up in a palace, so he's had, like, amazing food from, from all, not just Brakana, but all over. And in his travels, he definitely pays attention to those things. And so I think he takes little mental notes whenever someone does something interesting that he likes and t- tries to replicate it. And so he draws some experience from Gestak, from the palace, from the wedding he went to, all the little different places he went to, and most recently the churros. And... He presents a sort of, I guess, traditional Faerunian breakfast with uh, Prakonomy's twist in terms of it might be a little more flavorful in terms of spite of the herbs and spices used. Not necessarily spicier, but definitely more aromatic. There's smells to it. There might be leaves and stuff, which is totally fine for, for someone like Travancore, but might be jarring to someone else. It's an open-faced cheesesteak breakfast sandwich. And this is how it smells so good. And it is delicious. And at one point during this breakfast, which is not just excellently prepared, but thanks to Travancore's noble heritage, also excellently plated, the <laughs> Cleo looks over at Bernie, swallows, points to Travancore and says, they always provides. Okay. It's at this moment that like 
Carlton is cartoon floating on the like the vapors of the smells coming from the cheesesteak <laughs> breakfast into the kitchen. Hmm? But you see that there's something here that's not potato. None of this is potato. You can eat other things. I do. I eat other things all the time. Look, I'm having an open-faced cheesesteak breakfast sandwich because Bay always provides. Bernie's just gonna content herself to eat her cheesesteak in silence. <laughs> breakfast accomplished. What would you like to do? Trevancore is gonna look in the pantry towards the end of Actress to see if there is an apple lying around because it might be his last one for a while. <laughs> You start to look around and Cleo asks what you're looking for when you say an apple. She goes into a part of the pantry you wouldn't expect the the fruits and vegetables to be kept and pulls one out for you. It's, you. It's absolutely the least I could do after that breakfast. They don't have these back home. Ever since I sort of moved here, they've, it's become one of my favorite fruits. So thank you. Well, thank you, and hopefully we'll be able to get you some more. It's a little hard in the middle of winter now to, to find anything too fresh, but I'm happy to part with it after that breakfast. So you're going off to go do your thing now? Is that is that what you're going? Uh, you didn't give me too many details except for fighting a demon, and I don't, as I said, I don't know if I need to know any more, but hopefully they won't know you're coming because of the, the thing, and she's pointing to your, your new necklaces. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, off to, to run an errand. Like, to do a thing. Yeah. Going after Ultra Slavia, which is some iridentist stream of some kind. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let me know when you're done how everything went, okay? Like, I don't know. I don't know what you got to do once you're done, but see if you can, like, send me a message if you can't come back or something. We'll come back. Okay, good. And if you can't, if you got to, like, run off, then just let me know so I'm not just sitting here wondering, all right? Of course. Always. I can do that sending thing now. That that what? I can do the thing where I take a message from my brain and I put it in your brain from far away. Jonathan can do it too. Uh, it's how he talks to his lady love when he thinks none of us are watching. Ooh. You know, Travancore actually says that. <laughs> that's good. I, I like the warning that you could do that because if I suddenly heard either you in my head before, I'd uh, that'd be weird. So thank you for the heads up of, about that. I appreciate it. I'll be listening out in my brain pan, okay? Sounds good. All right. And uh, Cleo will give each of you, she'll shake her hands and wish you well, and then she will give Bernie a, a very long hug. Yeah, Bernie's going to hug them, and she's going to be like, I promise, we'll come back. And um, I still have to have a chat with the person who feeds you most of the time about what they feed you. Yeah, look, Bernie, that's me. We have I am to have a longer talk about... What you feed you. It's All right. not good. I've listen, seen it. Listen, unless you're going to leave the cute ranger around in order to cook for me, it's not going to change very much, okay? I have to keep him around to cook for me. Please don't ever tell him he's cute. That's not That's not okay. It's that's too okay. late. I can see how well he can hear. I'm pretty sure he just heard me. I wasn't trying that's to be not okay. <laughs> and she's just going to look- Thank you! You're welcome! It's not true! It's <laughs> totally true! <laughs> don't let it tell you otherwise. I'm I sure love your you, mother okay? thinks you're very handsome. And she's just gonna hug. It's like somebody telling you your brother's cute. It's grossing her out. She's like... <laughs> Which is why Cleo finds it so adorable. Uh, they give you a hug and they say, I love you. you. You'll be safe, okay? I will be. You know me. I love you too. All right. I look forward to hearing you in my brain. Oh, well, I, yeah, 100%. 
it's weird. It's really disconcerting, and I don't like it. But Jonathan does it all the time, so somebody must get a kick out of it. We're used to it at this point. Mm, I guess you can get used to anything. At some point, when we come back, we'll have him do the whole telepathy thing, and that's really going to freak you out. Telemon. All right, sure. I, I don't know why you're selling me on the things that are going to freak me out, but sure. Go, go, go do your demon killing thing and come on back and we'll speak to each other in our minds. You make me say such weird things. What? I know, it's fun, isn't it? See? That's why I got all the charisma and you got all the poundy pound skills. <laughs> As you are exiting the Temple to Integrity, uh, so Jonathan, you know where the training grounds are. You know it is... Uh, if you could just walk there, you remember having to do it as an initiate. It would take most of the day. You could probably hire a carriage or, you know, maybe go back to uh, the, the carriage would probably be, you know, a gold or two to get you on out there. They're used to ferrying like the professors and things. Or you could go back to the Neverwinter Academy and try to get a teleport out there. Although you don't think there are any teleportation circles there. It would take a teleport. It would actually take a teleport. Okay. Yeah. Because of safety concerns. Right. Jonathan the Match Muscular kind of wanna, wants to keep something in the tank, so he is going to suggest that we hire a carriage. Yeah, I'm good with that. Yeah. All right. And it'll be a good time to relax for, you know, till death. Yeah. Now, is it one of those, like, carriages where the, the driver is, like, up on it like a stagecoach, or... Yeah, although because it's the middle of winter and pretty darn cold, they're bundled up pretty okay. pretty massively. And you know where those carriages are. Like, you know where to... <laughs> this is kind of the equivalent of when you're in London and you can get the, the big black cabs. Right. Because those are the ones that go to the Neverwinter Academy because they know that they have to pick up things like familiars and animal companions <laughs> and... Uh, oddly shaped creatures you know most of the right. rest of neverwinter are a bunch of bipedal humanoids who the the worst thing that they have is maybe a puppy you've got a bear and a dog and a carlton and so you're pretty easy it's pretty easy to go back to where you know those stagecoaches can be found that are large enough that can accommodate especially shadow so if you want the the term from history it used to be called hiring a hack yeah it was a hackney so that's what we do. That's why they call taxi drivers hacks. I don't, well, I don't know that. I that's a little call, different. No, I don't think they'd have written, no. <laughs> With it also being not only the middle of winter, but the middle of the day, because most of this tried, well, it's not middle of the day, but it's like after the morning rush, uh, you are very easily able to find a hack, as it were. It's going to be five gold to get you out there because it is, it is a little bit of a ways and it, it does mean they then have to travel back into town, but you can very easily catch a ride that's probably only going to take like an hour, hour and a half to get out to the, the training grounds. Yeah, I'll be with that. Okay. <laughs> See, that's the other reason. I, I here's what I'm gonna say we do. We get in there, we load everybody up, and then we tell them where we're going. Because it used to fucking happen to me all the time when I lived in New York. Because they didn't wanna, nobody wanted to go from one borough to the next if you wanted to take a taxi. And, oh man, you have to get in the taxi. And you don't say anything. They ask you where you're going outside the car, you get in anyway. And you buckle your seatbelt. And they can't make you leave. They can't make you leave. I, I will say Bernie 99% of the time and Jules 99% of the time. Absolutely correct. But Jonathan, yeah. you know, going to the front of the Neverwinter Academy, they're kind of expecting to go this hour and a half outside of town. Good. Good. 
That's why it's five man. gold. That's not cheap for a taxi. Okay, so uh, Jonathan the Metromuscular will cover it this time. Sure. It is not plush, but it is comfy, and it is well. It's large enough for all of you to be comfortable, despite the fact that, that Shadow takes up a good bulk of the middle. Hey, I'm James Intracasso, and that creepy music means you're listening to a new ad for DSPN's new Dungeons & Dragons actual play, The Demon Plague. I am the DM for Rudy Basso, Lauren Urban, TK Johnson, and Robert Aducci as they bring their characters through a dark fantasy world. I wrote this adventure with John Four, and now you can listen to us play through this adventure on the podcasting app of your choice, or you can watch us on YouTube or Twitch. You can find out more about the Demon Plague at don'tsplitthepodcastnetwork.com. We here at Dungeon Drunks are huge fans of Idle Champions of the Forgotten Realms. It's a Dungeons & Dragons strategy video game that brings together D&D characters from novels, adventures, and multiple live streams into a single grand adventure. It is so much fun to put together a formation that includes champions from Companions of the Hall, High Rollers, C-Team, Beyond Heroes, and more. I usually have the game running in the background while I edit audio for the show, and thanks to the fine folks who make Idle Champions, we're fortunate enough to be able to offer a free gold chest to all of our listeners. This week's code expires on May 17th at 8pm Pacific, so open up your game, go to the shop, and type in this code. B A H T. C-A-N-Y-S-E-M-E. So use that code and then let us know on Twitter or Instagram what goodies you got. And now, enough of the loot drops. Back to the show. It is a pleasant ride. It's still that cold, bitterly cold, wintry day and where there's no clouds in the sky, so it's sunny, but it's deceptively freezing because of that because there's no cloud cover and there is snow all over the ground you take your carriage out through one of the side gates and head on through kind of the the winding path that leads somewhere that jonathan you haven't been in a very very long time but has that familiar you can't always go home but here you are sense to it Mm mm-hmm in in one way, it's been way too long, and in another way, it, it hasn't been that long at all. You can see that the the scar that is left from the the mountain that had exploded, the volcano eruption that had destroyed swaths of Neverwinter before it was rebuilt, it's mostly healed out here, but you can tell when you hit it, and the the road kind of follows that swath a little bit. So you find new growth, and then old growth, and then new growth, and then old growth. And the road itself winds a little bit until it comes to what kind of feels like a summer camp for those of you who've never seen it before. It pulls up to a series of three log cabin style buildings, all about roughly the same size, something along the size of a large house, although they're longer than they are wide, and they are definitely nothing special. And as you pile out of the carriage, pay the carriage driver, and look around, there's no signage. There's nothing indicating what this is. If it wasn't for the fact that the driver knew where you were going, and Jonathan, you you recognize this place just deep within your memories, it's nothing special. It's just these three 
cabins kind of in the middle of a clearing in the middle of the woods with a the leftovers of a large bonfire in between the three. Jonathan, you know that the three cabins are basically bunks that you would come out here with a crew of your classmates. You would stay for like the day, maybe overnight, do your trainings and go back. You would even bring a pack full of supplies, food, and it was it was kind of like a camping trip, except with lots more of magic and explosions and that behind the the tree line behind these three log cabins there is a giant open field filled with nothing except space to make mistakes hey uh jonathan yo tell bond uh yeah for the next hour so one second and jonathan the magimuscular once we get into one of the cabins jonathan the magimuscular is going to cast a various telepathic bond Okay, yeah. You go into the the first cabin. It is freezing. You know that nobody has at least been in here since yesterday, although the last bits of students left. So it is pretty basically appointed. It's a bunch of of really kind of ratty bunks and a big giant fireplace. And that's it. It's it's a it's basic, basic accommodations. But yeah. Uh, you spend 10 minutes and... Am I able to also richly cast my thing and not be interrupted when I accept the tell bond? Your thing that is for the next 30 minutes? Aren't we at the battlegrounds now? Are we going to do this? Let's decide if we're going to do this first. I will say, Carlton, just because you... So it's the this is the action we are going to take in the next 30 minutes. Um, for your augury... If it doesn't happen in 30 minutes, it's not that your augury was wrong. If you're asking, you know, I, w- I will say, because I think the, the spell just says this is an action you're intending on taking in the next 30 minutes. Just because if it doesn't happen, so say you go through with this and the fight doesn't happen in 30 minutes, that's not that your augury was was wrong or incorrect. So you you could do that. It's kind of up to you. I will say... With augury, I'm going to say if you're interrupted by the Telbond, it's going to interrupt your augury. But okay. you wait 10 minutes. It's not a big deal. I'll wait deal. 10 minutes for Telbond to accept, and then I'll check with uh, my spiritual advisor, uh, Bernie, on whether or not I should consult my spiritual ad- other spiritual advisors. <laughs> See, that's a good course of action. All right. Well, the 10 minutes go by. Uh, are you just, like, sitting around waiting for Jonathan to finish casting Telbond, or is there anybody doing anything else? I'm going to sharpen my blade. <laughs> It's just 10 minutes of silence it's and Carlton. I think it's awkward, right? Like, we're all sitting here. Like, Bernie's like. It's up to you whether it's awkward. Looking or not. around the cabin, like, there's 10 minutes worth of things to look at. That's what she's doing. She's like, this is nice. And Bernie, nice. that's a lie. This is not nice. It's. Rusted. If you had a fire going, it wouldn't be too bad, but it's not. There's no. There's nothing. Is there it's, a fireplace? There is a fireplace. There's Bernie's not. Bernie's gonna. There's no wood. There's like the leftovers of some wood. Nah. You'd have to go get some wood. That's what Travancore's going to be doing. He's going to be looking for, for firewood and gathering that. Okay. I'm going to say with your ranger abilities, especially if you want to spend 10 minutes. Yeah, you come back with an armful of, of decent firewood. Fire is served. <laughs> Just as the tell bond is activated, Travancore gets a fire going. See? Comfy. All right. All right. So here's my thoughts on the matter. He needs to know where we are, and I think we take, Travancore and I take our amulets off, and I'll remove the curse. 
when we're ready. That makes the most sense. I'm assuming Telbon was activated and you're yeah, having this discussion what, in your yeah. head. Yeah. That's- and with the amulets, like, do taking them off, does that completely remove the effect or do we have to unattune to remove that effect? Let's they see what they say. Item. I don't know that. Does anybody know that? They should be on your character sheet and you should have that information. While wearing it, you are hidden from divination, but you can't be targeted by magic or perceived through magical sense. So right, you something. can still be attuned to it and not have it on. Gotcha. Got it. So that way you can just pop it on and off and not have to attune every time for the effect. Right. That's how I would interpret you, that. Yeah, you just can't, as as long as you're attuned to it, you can't attune to something else. Like right now, I am not attuned to my uh, to my cloak. It's just a cloak right now. It's a very pretty cloak. Yeah. All right. Well, in that case, I could chat with my fam. They visited me last night in my dreams as I felt stronger. Uh, and they can give me some guidance on this this battle. Is this uh, something that we think of? Is it one of those things like, with the foreknowledge of the future, we then change the future type deals? Or is it good knowing, like, this is a bad idea or this is a good idea? You do know... It talks about the spell doesn't take into account any possible circumstances that might change the outcome, such as the casting of additional spells or loss or gain of a companion. So it's it's a possible thing. Um, this isn't Schrodinger's augury. Oh. <laughs> All right. So it's just like, as we are currently flying, is this a good or a bad idea? I think you know. it helps to be specific because... Honestly, what is this, right? Like, is it a good idea to take on a Yugoloth? I'm probably not. Um, you don't always get an answer to the question the way you intended it, is what I found. And you have to be specific if you want to make sure. This kind of thing is all about knowing what you're asking and knowing how it can be interpreted. So, well, What would you ask? I would ask if removing our amulets and having me lift the curse from Jack is going to go the way we want it. With the understanding... Summon the demon to us? With the understanding that for us, while for most people, woe is the resulting demon, wheel for us is the demon coming. Gotcha. Okay. Just be specific. Tell them what you mean. You're still, at the end of the day, you're still interpreting a one-word answer. Yep. I'm going to kind of go into the corner and face the corner for 10 minutes as I cast this spell. You do know it's only a, what... a one-minute casting time, right? I have to cast it as a ritual. Oh, okay. Can Bernie help him, like, since she's done this before? Actually, no. It says Augury one minute on, my, on D&D Beyond. Let me, double, let me read the text. It's, you're right that it's casting time one minute, but it's a ritual, so if well, you Well, clairvoyance to... is 10 minutes, so I wasn't sure if it took into account that... I only do it. Let me just read the actual. Yeah, your um, power. Read your power. And uh, yeah. Bernie, to answer your question, you can't help him with the casting. You can help with the explanation of because you're familiar with the spell. Like what you did already helped with. I think I interpreted because the other one was 10 minute casting time of clairvoyance that that was just meant ritual. But once per short rest, you can either cast augury or clairvoyance without using a spell slot or material component. Wisdom is your spellcasting ability for these spells. Bernie's going to make him a cup of tea to drink while he does this because it always helps her. Okay. And yeah, the, so it doesn't mention that you have to cast it as a ritual. Um, probably because neither of these are like 
neither of these are spells you're casting when you don't have the time to do it. So no, this should only take you a minute to cast. Okay, uh, but I'm still going to face the wall because I've seen the faces that Jonathan makes when he casts spells sometimes, and I don't want my, my faces to be judged. It's my first time doing it, so I'm a little self-conscious. You're, gonna you're face, okay, buddy. You're going to face the wall, and you're going to feel a little pat on your leg, and she's going to hand you her camp mug with the tea she always keeps on her now that there's a fire. And she's going to say, it'll help you focus on what you want to ask. Thanks, and I'll, I'll, slip, I'll sip the tea. And I would like you to describe for the listening audience, and nobody else because you are facing the wall, the corner, what's your face look like? Uh, it's kind of like that like sourpuss scrunch face. Like I'm like trying to use my brain to kind of summon the spirits, almost like I'm constipated, but like ate a big giant lemon. Everything's just kind of squished in, like suckered, like uh, magic. And go ahead and ask your question. So I will kind of start, I will visualize, you know, my ancestral protectors in the spirit world and say to them, we are about to remove our amulets and remove a curse on our dear friend to summon a demon to our position. Is this going to be beneficial for us? And by beneficial, you mean, will this, will this work? Will this work the way we want it to? Barney's just sitting behind you, just, like, waiting, because she's just, like, sitting there, like, you could do it, you could do it. Like, you know, the teacher that watches her student do something for the first time and doesn't want to interfere. Mm-hmm. She's just like, yeah, you got this. All right, here's what I'm going to give you. you you're going to get both wheel and woe, but you will get that the wheel is stronger. Okay, and I go to Barney, and I'm like, this is not as easy as it ma- as you make it look. <laughs> no, it's horrible, but keep going. I believe in you. Well, I heard a really, really loud wheel and a slightly softer whoa. Yeah. Yeah, that happens. Uh, and I asked if that removing the amulets and removing the curse will be to the benefit that we're looking for. And I got a really strong wheel and a lesser whoa. Hmm. <sighs> I'll need to do this more to kind of get a hang of this, but I feel like, uh, you know. This is weird. I'll, I'll leave the magic up to the capital S spellcasters on a regular basis. Well, you did good, Carlton. This is a, this is a different kind of magic. It is uh, both more and less precise, if you now understand what I mean. Yeah. But I can also look on the other side of a door, apparently they told me. But then what? I can't ask them a question. So. Um, so my interpretation of that is that there's a lot of options there. I think in general, we can probably leave knowing that this will work. It might not work the way we want it to. I think we'll get our desired outcome, but I think there is going to be some kind of price to pay for it. Whether that's he's not going to show up immediately and we're going to be sitting around, or whether he's going to show up in a way that is going to catch us off guard, or he's going to show up fully understanding that this is, in fact, a trap. I'm not sure, but I don't have any other ways of doing this. I should ask Miss Cleo to also help divine for us while we were there with her. Miss, you said Miss Cleo, and all I could think <laughs> yeah. of was, like, I thought, like... The old tele-TV yeah. Miss Cleo. I thought Miss Cleo, I just I realized thought, that we were divining, and we had somebody named Cleo with us earlier, and I just I put thought, two and two together. name his aunt? Is it, like, the psychic friends over there? Jesus. <laughs> I 
remember having to watch those commercials too many times when I would watch stuff on the Sci-Fi Channel back when it was the Sci-Fi Channel and not yep. Sifi. Is one of your Sifi. ancestors Dion Warwick? <laughs> 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 no, because you are playing in a world of real magic. Travancore was just thinking, like, uh, if there is combat, whether it makes sense as a way to keep him ranged to, to cast a giant eagle or a pair of them so that he can fly and, and shoot arrows at things. Like, to pick you up, like, Lord of the Rings style, and swoop you around the battlefield? I don't know what that is, but sure. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that was Julia. <laughs> that was Julia. Thinking. You know, that, that that puppet show that you saw in Waterdeep <laughs> all those years ago, it's, or, or all those months ago, it's the Lord Why of the... Why would the puppet show take so long? Well, you know, you, you had to watch it in bits and pieces over the course of, like, a month I'll like it ended and we were like thing. no that can't be the end and then there was another ending and then there it was another like ending. no no and then that, it ended again that was yeah. that was the one we were waiting for the first time we were like oh wow so the the this frodo and this sam they're just leaving got the story in bits and pieces like no that was a great ending I had a lot of emotional power and bernie's gonna say but also, the thing that really annoyed me was the amount of people who really did think those eagles were going to fly them anywhere and go unnoticed. Jesus Christ. Well, did they not get what the eagles were? Clearly, they didn't understand. Well, well Travancore understands what the eagles are. Yeah. What would you like to, would, what would, what are you thinking about? So Travancore is actually thinking about when, if in, or shortly before combat begins or having them available or before the, the incident comes up, having an eagle to be actually be able to fight while flying on one of these eagles. So if, if that's going to work, if the eagles going to be able to support his weight, it's a large beast. So I would think it would work, but I don't know for sure. Yes, giant it's eagle, bigger than your average eagle, right? Yeah. A giant eagle can pick you up, and I will say because you have summoned them and you do have control in the in a way over them that yes, you can you can summon a giant eagle who will fly you around as though you're going to Mordor. So does anyone else want to fight <laughs> service aerial support? No. Okay. <laughs> Bernie does not like flying. I do my best work on foot. Uh, <laughs> Jonathan? Basically, standing in front of the thing I'm trying to hit. Doesn't really help you guys if I'm up in the air, because then that leaves the squishy people in direct harm's way. Jonathan? Air Force? No, I think I'll be okay. I can't be that far away. You're, you have a much greater range than I do. Well, please, Travancore, he's a Navy man. You can you can snip snips. Well, snippy snips. Good point. You know, I can always just cast two and keep on his backup in case the one of them gets shot down. <laughs> Air Force Eagle. Air Force Travancore. <laughs> they will fly in formation. Oh my god! No, have it pick up the bear and then it will be Bear Force One. Oh, but then if they let go of the bear on top of them, Shadow will become uh, a drop bear. With the armor, you're pretty sure an eagle could pick him up fly him around eagle would probably be slowed because the armor and the bear pretty heavy he could drop shadow absolutely be a drop bear shadow would probably take damage on that fall but so would the thing you drop shadow on so you have options but i'm gonna say because you are able to summon these eagles you have enough knowledge about how this is going to work yeah i don't i don't mind sacrificing pretentious fae spirit actors in the name of battle but but shadow i think is maybe better served being a flanking buddy to carlton on the ground he'll off you can always bring back your goats well no not if i have the eagles going at the same time <laughs> but yeah yeah you can only concentrate on one group of animals at a time all right well e-a-g-l-e-s eagles <laughs> oh wow 
Fly, eagle, fly. On the road to victory. <laughs> Anyways. Anyway. Right. Uh, anyway, guys, uh, now that we've gone on every possible tangent. The DM is just going to continue to sit here and wait for you. I'm just enjoying I, the fact I that you're all just sitting in this freezing teacher. cold, yeah, freezing cold fire, place. Lauren. He built yes. a fire. He got a fire going. It's been like 10 minutes. And it's a, yes, it is starting to warm up. What would you like to do? Bernie, do we want to try this course of action? I mean, is everybody on board with it? Does anybody have any questions, comments, concerns? We're really sort of already at the point of no return, so I don't know. Well, let's do this. I'm Jonathan the Muscular is ready. All right. Before we get into battle. Oh, did you uh, did you take care of your tailbound shot? Uh, no, not yet. Let's do this. Woo! Well, while we're waiting, Travancore is going to look wistfully at that apple and sort of consider it for a moment. Do okay. it. Cut a piece it, for uh, for shadow, but then look around and cut pieces for all the different um, for. Wait, have you ever tried roasting that apple? You can roast apples. Yeah. No, we got a Jonathan. We don't need your hands. We got a literal fire right here. But I need to warm up. Boo, boo. Carlton actually boos you, <laughs> and I uh, I stick the apple on like the end of my sword tip, and I kind of like just put, stick it over the fire to kind of get it nice and roasted. Okay. And I'm like here. Try this. All right. Travancore is going to eat it. Wait, hold on. I have an idea. And I'm like, and I go in the bag of holding, I'm like, churro. And I grab one of the cinnamon ones and I kind of dust the cinnamon from the churro on the apple. Now try it. Okay. It's a little uneven, but it is delicious. Wow. I feel like I've leveled up apple-wise. This is amazing. And yeah, I cut slices for everyone. Bernie, Jonathan, Carlton, Shadow, Baron Von Kokosnoot, and a little apple slice for Bucks, too. You all enjoy a moment of delicious cinnamon toasted apple. Uh, Jonathan the Metamuscular kind of holds onto his amulet, amulet and it's like, if he does do a pre-scrying, he shouldn't see me or Carlton. Okay, so Bernie's going to say, we're going to create some fun fiction around this. I'd like to convince you, Galoth, we have a silver amulet on. We're going to go outside to do this. Because we're not trying to do property damage. We're trying to be responsible adults. I'd like to convince the Yugoloth that it's just you and I. And that Carlton and Jonathan don't know. Okay. I can also set up a um, tiny hut outside. So at least we're kind of in a blind. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I All mean, right. I think you should be able to keep it. I don't know if the tiny hut will be good. Because, like... Well, I mean, we'll, we can see out of it. So we'll be out of the out of the way and we'll be like there will be no sign of our presence like it's possible we can see out of it and they can't scry on us so we can be like ha gotcha stab can they detect the magic of it i mean maybe not not they should be able to remotely but who knows what they can do and it'll it won't appear it'll appear like as a as a snow drift essentially like i pick a color and fortunately the primary color around here is white I mean, I think if you think it'll work, mostly I just want to give at least two of you the element of surprise. Yeah. So, Carlson, let's go. We're going to we're gonna camp outside for a bit. And Jonathan the Magimuscular is going to royal his hands. And outside, he, uh, after ten minutes, he shoots them out. And a, a white dome appears in the snow. <laughs> okay. Where are you placing this dome? Yeah, we're going to place it near the cabin. But, like, try and place it where if... A casual observer would think it's a mound of snow. Okay. Give me a... Or an investigation check. I'm sorry. Give me an investigation check. 
Uh, first point of luck today. Let me mark that off. Damn. I mean, you don't have to use your point of luck. <laughs> it's up no, to you. No, I feel like it's important. Uh, so investigation is going to be a 20. Soft 20. Okay. Uh, if you're placing it near one of the three cabins, so the dome itself, you can make it the same color as the snow around you, and it's mostly hidden. You can kind of place it for a mound of snow. You go to the side where the wind comes in, where most of the, the snow would be blown into bluffs, mm-hmm. and you can place it in a place in where it mostly looks like another mound of snow. It's not exactly the same texture, so looking for it, you think somebody probably could see it, but they would need to look for it. It's one of those in where like it's hidden in plain sight, but you've you found a good spot for it. You found where the, the snow naturally gets blown into bluffs against the three buildings nearby. Okay, excellent. And you're going to go inside? Oh, yeah. All right. You and Carlton are inside the tiny hut outside one of the buildings. <laughs> Carlton farts. Thanks, buddy. I pressed it away. <laughs> I don't want to do it in front of Bernie. Oh, that's fine. And and I can I can get rid one I don't mind and two I can get rid of it because it's that like head height and I feel bad. Uh, Bernie's gonna say okay let's take off our amulets in here and then walk outside and let's pick a nice spot to do this. Okay, Cavancore removes his uh, his amulet. So does Bernie. Okay, I think they should walk out into the clearing. I don't know that they know where the tiny hut is, but they're not gonna look for it because they're not gonna give shit away. So you can, so if you walk outside, uh, unless you actively look for it, I will say you won't immediately see it. Travancore, what's your passive invest, or what's your passive perception? Passive perception is 17. Okay. So no, unless you start actively looking for it, you know it's somewhere. You know that was the plan, but you don't know exactly where it is. If you're going to stay within the radius of these three buildings, there is a little bit of a clearing around the middle of the... The three buildings kind of form a loose triangle, and in the middle of them is a spot where obviously a bonfire was lit, kind of like probably an evening hangout in the middle of the winter. There is a very thin tree line, and then uh, you haven't gone out there yet, but Jonathan has explained that there is this giant open field where most of the experimentation took place you can see through it's not like a thick tree line most of the trees actually have sadly been destroyed so there's not many of them left but there are some trees kind of between the buildings and this open field so it's kind of up to you where you'd like to go and how far away you want to be at any given moment we're also going to talk in normal voices because if we talk in our telebond it will give away that we're not alone yeah okay uh, so Bernie's gonna say out loud, she's gonna say, you know, let's get away from the buildings in case, you know, anyone comes up. I'd, I'd like to not be in, in basic view, and th- she's gonna head towards the, towards the, the clearing a little bit, okay. but still hopefully within view of the, the tiny hut. Yeah, Travancore will keep pace. How far away would you like to go? Uh, not outside of spellcasting range. Well, it depends on what spell you're talking about. So from the tiny hut, it's about 50 feet to the very thin tree line. Uh, And then from there, the open field is 500 feet across. So depending on where you stand, it's going, you also don't know exactly where the tiny hut is. So unless you want to actively look for it, 
uh, you're kind of basing it on being able to see the buildings that you are in. Uh, the building you came out of, it would be 50 feet to the tree line. And then you can kind of see the buildings through the tree line. So it's totally up to you where you want to go. I think tree line. Yeah. That way we kind of can choose from there if he okay. shows up. And Bernie's going to say, I didn't want to tell the others, but I figured out a way to remove the curse. Oh? It's just greater restoration, right? Like, we went over this, right? Yes, although you know that you will, you know that the geese was cast at an incredibly high level. So you're probably going to have to roll for it. But you don't think it's out of your realm of possibility of making it go away. Bernie's going to cast greater restoration on Travancore. She says, we have to remove it. I don't want to always be looking over our shoulder. And then she's going to say, I don't know. She's going to assume whoever is listening is listening. She goes, I know they didn't want to, but I think we should. Travancore is going to say nothing in fear that if he responds in any way towards removing the gi, then it might be construed as not protecting the amulet or something. Okay. Bernie, I need you to to roll. I need you to roll a... It's, this is going to kind of be like casting counterspell because the geese is at a higher level than Greater Restoration, so I need you but to... But she's going to cast Greater Restoration as a level 7 spell. Yes. I still need you to roll, however. Um, so you're going to roll a d20 and add your spell casting modifier to it, please. It's a 17. Okay. Travancore. Yeah. I feel the geese go away. <gasps> Travancore gets really excited. Bernie? Bernie has reached up and like booped you on the nose. Like that's, it's a touch spell. She's booped you on the nose, but there's this moment and where like she usually just boop and it's very quick. But this, there's an extra moment as she has to concentrate a little bit harder than she normally would. And then it's gone. And you feel it dissipate. But that, like, feeling like somebody's cracked something on your head and it's all running down, I feel like that's what a geese feels like. So I feel like lifting the geese feels like all the stuff's coming back into the egg and it's going away. I've okay. had too much time to think about a geese. <laughs> that's okay. You've spent a lot of time waiting for this moment. Trevor, of course, smiles and just to test it says, fuck that amulet. Let's destroy it. <laughs> and he has his hands like this and he wants to know what happens just to test it. <gasps> Travancore, I need you to roll nothing. You're fine. Yay! Sorry. Yay! Bernie goes, fuck that amulet. Let's destroy it. <laughs> and Travancore is feeling all right. He high fives Bernie. High fives. Woo! And then they, I guess now Bernie's like. Yeah. Kind of in the tell bond. She's like, I guess. Or outside, she's like, I guess, I guess we go, we go back and tell them, right? Like, and then inside, she's like. How, how long do you think it's going to take him to get here, do you believe? Yep. Travacor's precaution is going to cast uh, Conjure Animals, and he's going to summon those two eagles and keep them in, in the clearing. I think he has enough space to hide them somewhere there, so they're not immediately in plain sight. How far away can you uh, summon them? What's the range on your eagles? Let's see. I want to say it's 30 feet, oh, but let me God, double check. What's the range on your... You can put them in the tree. No one will know. Tree lands <laughs> getting closer now. <laughs> These two giant eagles hanging out in a tree. It's fine. Like, it's they're like, 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 on a, like, it's just like wintertime and the tree's like, it's just like the tree's completely like bent oh. over with a giant eagle sitting on it. And it's like... Snaps back like it's a tree. It's like that, uh, that Assassin's Creed noise, like... <laughs> oh, the range is 60 feet. There's nowhere... Like, the tree line that you are kind of standing in, as I said, it's very thin. It's not like there's a corpse of trees that you could hide a bunch of... And there's no other, 
uh, shrubbery on the ground. In fact, from where you're standing, you can very clearly see the 500 feet of open space that if it wasn't for all of the fresh snow everywhere, you could swear you see like giant craters and places in where you think the ground is a little uneven. It kind of looks like a, a modern day war zone in a, in a way. So you could summon the giant eagles, you could put them in the trees, but Travancore, you innately know, they're hidden in the way of, like, just don't look up, oh. but they're not hidden. Uh, well, then in that case, Travancore will keep them, like, summon them five feet away, and all of a sudden, out of the, the thin air, come two face spirits taking the form of giant eagles named Cunningham and Wentz. Oh, I say. All right, Cunningham and Appreciate Wentz up, up here. You summon two giant eagles. Shadow is impressed. Coco Snoot's impressed, too. <laughs> Travancore thinks to himself, you know what? No sense in wasting it. I kind of want to go for a flight. Flight. Let's do a test flight. Wait. Tra- I mean, wait. Hold on. Yeah. But we should head back, right? Mm. Yeah, I guess we should. That way, if, yeah, we can all walk together. That way, if they come back, all of a sudden, like, um... Well, I don't know if we need to head back. Aren't we waiting? Aren't we thinking that sooner or later the Yugoloth is going to show up? And then we want to trick him into thinking that we're alone and then have Jonathan and Carlton ambu- ambush him? Yes, but the Eagles are. This is obviously all taking place in Telbond. Yeah, yeah, right. This is all Telbond. The Eagles are going to be a giveaway. Yes. Oh, not only that they're Eagles here, not necessarily that Jonathan and Carlton are here. And Bernie, Bernie, like looks over and she goes, you know, looks over at what at the Eagles, and she says, "This sure does beat doing paperwork for that mine job we had." You know. Yeah, Travancore, if you want to take your test flight, and she's going to say this out loud, she's going to say, why don't you take a test flight? We don't have anything following us anymore. All right. Travancore is going to hop onto Cunningham, and uh, Wentz is going to follow in short order, and he's going to go for a flight. All right. And Bernie's going to hope this is literally dangling the bait. All right. Obviously, Shadow is staying on the ground nearby Bernie and Coco Snoot. Travancore, uh, do you go for a flight? How high up would you like to go? How far would you like to go? What would you like to do on your your eagle flight? We'll stay within a hundred feet of the spot that we're in. I don't in terms of like distance from the spot, like I guess on land. But then in okay. terms of height, I don't want to go any higher than thirty feet, just in case something goes wrong. Sure. Yeah, you go up about thirty feet, and I'm gonna say you you do a little circle of because the field, as I said, is five hundred feet, and so you're kind of circling the field. Uh, Bernie's still standing in the the where the trees are. It's not a tree line. <laughs> it's it's a tree couple of trees basically uh, and yeah from up here you can totally see that while this is a very large open space there is clearly signs it's it's like there's signs of a battle if you didn't know ahead of time that this was a place that wizards came to practice their craft in a place and where they could make destruction happen you would think this was an ancient battlefield that just had a recent something happened like bits of the snow have been churned up in places other places if it hadn't just snowed would be blasted apart you do see a couple of trees recently destroyed some other trees along the the sides are cracked open like by lightning but it's it seems to be quiet for the moment Uh, and then go ahead and roll me a perception check okay perception bernie what's your passive perception 15 awesome 23 travancore you look down. You wave at Bernie. Bernie it's waves a, back. It's beautiful. About 30 feet from her, coming from the tree, you see what looks like a horse. It's about the size of a horse. Except it's bone white, which is probably why you didn't see it at first. 
No, it's actually kind of made out of bones, and it has two more legs than you expect. And instead of coming to hooves, they come to points. And as this weird centipede-like horse comes out of the tree line, a giant tail with a scorpion stinger on the back, and you look at its head where a, an equine feature would be, instead of the long snout, instead there is just a hole through where the skull would be. And coming to a point, almost like a unicorn horn, but in a, in a grotesque parody, angling up. And it comes out on these sharp pincer legs, and then a second one. And then you see from a couple of other trees, like melding out of the trees, three of them. Bernie, you're starting to see them. And they're starting to surround you. And that oh, shit. is where we will leave it for now. And the next time we get together, there's some creatures that you have to fight. But first, let me give you a little bit of experience for oh. <laughs> for uh, the catching up with Cleo, for the thinking about planar keys, for breakfast cheesesteaks, and for facing the wall while casting your first spell. I'm going to give you a total of 6,500 experience to split between the four of you. And the next time we get together, there's some horrible creatures coming out of the trees for you, Bernie. Thanks for listening to our adventure. If you've enjoyed our show, visit us at DungeonDrunks.com for links to all of our social media, pictures and bio of our cast, a full list of credits, and more. We'd appreciate it if you left us a review, and we would love it if you come support us on Patreon. Visit Patreon.com slash DungeonDrunks to sign up. Thanks again, and we'll see you next encounter. We appreciate all of our patrons and extend a special thanks to our top tier patrons. Thank you, Megan, Lori, aka Calamity Jane, Sir Narvi and Sailor Tweak, John Adi, Linnea Boyev, and Hunted Shadows, LLC.